So I've always been um, fascinated with Nalgene water bottles. What I'm about to share with you has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way, or my teaching, but it's because I have a Nalgene right now and thought of this for service. Nalgene water bottles are supposed to be indestructible. Did you know this? You're literally supposed to be able to get in your car with a full Nalgene water bottle, get going down the highway 60 miles an hour, roll your window down, and slam your bottle on the road, and it won't break. That's, that's what people say. Why on earth would you ever want a bottle like that? <laughs> well, I got to walk from my car to the office every day, and you never know. I might bump it on my door. Just, I mean, what is it about this culture? I heard, I, I got to share with you some, something that Jerry Seinfeld told me one time. He, he, uh, he was just like, why, why, why do we always have to go maximum everything? You got a headache, so you go to the store, and it's not like, I'll take strength Tylenol. He's like, no, you want extra strength. You want maximum strength. Like, take it to the notch where it'll kill me, and then back it off a little bit. That's what I want. I need an indestructible Nalgene water bottle. I, I, I tell you all of that to say, I was hiking in the Smoky Mountains with a group of people and a black bear, which they're tiny little bears, but it's a bear nonetheless. And at nighttime, when all you can see is these beady little eyes staring at you through the bushes and you're shining your flashlight at it, you think it's like King Kong. So, so the whole team, our whole group is just huddled under this tent like, Lord, protect us. You know, we're at your mercy. And this bear, all he wants is the hot dogs we packed. <laughs> Never pack hot dogs when you're hiking. So we're huddled all night throwing rocks at a bear. The next morning I wake up. Somebody had left their Nalgene water bottle out and it was full of crystal light. Bears can smell that. And when I got to the bottle to look at it, there was a black bear-sized tooth hole right through the middle of the indestructible Nalgene water bottle. I just want you to know, Smoky Mountain Black Bear tested, not approved. <laughs> you bunch of consumers. You got the red, the green, the yellow one. You're like, these are great. I'm never going to need another bottle again. Don't take it to the Smoky Mountains. Like I said, that had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what I was going to share with you. So, uh, and, I, and I can do that because I think I'm funny. Um, we're, we're starting a series this month called Who Are We? And if you're new to the river, it's good for you to be taught who we are and, and, and to learn who we are. And if you're old to the river and have been here a while, then it's just good to be reminded, right? Right. So the next three weeks, we are going to be talking about our mission, our vision, and our values of the river. And I have the privilege of sharing with you the mission of the river, which many churches, and I'm not comparing, I'm just sharing. A lot of churches have really long like mission statements. And for some reason, whatever reason, I don't know, the rivers is three words to glorify God. So this morning, I'm talking to you about our mission, your mission in life, my mission in life, and the church's mission as a whole is 
those three simple words, to glorify God. But before I do that, I, I have been humbled many times by the knowledge that I could produce for you what I would consider to be the best exegetical sermon on any topic in Scripture, which is not true. I couldn't do that. But even if I did, it would be superfluous. It would be pointless. It would be needless. It would be overdone. And it would mean nothing if the creator of the universe did not speak. The cool thing about this, this, this faith thing that we have is that the God who spoke creation into existence by using his words is able to do that same thing in our hearts and in our minds. Do you guys agree with me? And so if we are not cognizant or aware that he is wanting to speak to us, then we miss out on the transformation and he wants to speak to you. So if you would just help me honor God this morning, let's take 15 seconds on our own and you ask God to speak to you and to speak to your heart this morning. Let's do that now. Father, in Jesus' name, we confess that you are the creator of the universe. And the way that you created the universe was you spoke. And so we ask this morning, right now, in a typical Sunday morning church service, in a, in a Sunday morning church building, that you speak in the same way you did when creation burst forth out of your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for doing that with me. Psalm 86.12 says, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. That is one of the many verses that the Bible uses to talk about glorifying God. That is one of the many verses that the churches across the nation have embraced when they say our mission and our purpose in life is to glorify God. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. In fact, the Westminster Catechism, I sound really smart right now, that was created in 1646, kids. That is as old as some of your parents. <laughs> States that the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. My mission in life is to glorify God. Your mission in life is to glorify God. This church's mission in the life of this community is to glorify God. Thank you so much for coming today. Do not let the door hit your hindquarters on the way out. Just kidding. But I chose to use the word hindquarters right there instead of the word but. Because this is a child-friendly service. And we have children in worship. And I would not dare say don't let the door hit your butt on the way out because that would be completely 
completely rude. And I would get emails from parents. So you're welcome. Do not let the door hit your hindquarters on the way out. None of you were laughing. <laughs> Note to self, don't use the hindquarters joke that you made up last night. Your mission is to glorify God. Let me break this down for you. We need to talk about the word glory quickly because either I am a scholar of the Bible, a genius, or I semi-fluently know how to use Google. I have researched the word glory and it feels to me like there's about a hundred different uses for this word throughout scripture. And it means so many different things. But the two things that surface to the top for me, the two words, the two things of glory that stand out above the rest and sit on top of the others are one, the immensity and the heaviness of God. I can imagine the Israelites felt that when the sea parted and they're walking through it. All he would have to do is lift his hand and we're drowning. The immensity and the heaviness of God. And number two is the light or the brightness of who God is. So when we're talking about our mission to glorify God, what this means is our mission is to reveal with our lives and our lifestyles the immensity, the heaviness, the brightness, and the light of who God is. Your mission and my mission is to reveal the heaviness and brightness of God with our lives. And God is very bright. So typically... The question that comes is, how do I glorify God? If my job is to reveal the heaviness and the brightness of God, how do I do that? That's a typical question. And we go to church and we hear pastors say, you need to glorify God with your life and then see you later. And we're like, huh? I know I do. I feel guilty about it every day. How do I do it? And that's typically the question that comes. So this morning, I want to dive into that and how I believe we are to do that. And I believe God has something for you. I believe many of you walked in here this morning incredibly discouraged about your inability to glorify God and what you believed. And I believe he has something for you very, very true and very refreshing. Are you ready? All right. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3, 18 or your smartphones, but do not open words with friends. I will know, and I will challenge you to a game while I'm preaching, and you will be busted. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. I'm about to get excited. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. That's kind of a deep verse, but I challenge you to read the entire chapter of 2 Corinthians 3. Because if you do, you're going to find that it is pointing to a guy named Moses who stood as the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. 
It's pointing to this man who was part of the Exodus and who had a phenomenal Old Testament relationship with the Father. And I would even argue Jesus. And this man, Moses, would go up on the mountain or he would go into the temple and he would have relationship and he would, he would experience God and he would come out. And when he came out from being with the Lord, his face would be so bright that he had to put a veil over it so that people wouldn't stare at him. That's nuts to me. And so the Old Testament analogy that we get from Moses seeing God is that of the sun and the moon. You guys know this. The sun, this giant ball of fire, is given the title luminous. Luminous means it is the originator of light. It creates its own light. It produces its own light. From within itself, light bursts out. The sun is luminous. It needs nothing to be a light for it. And yet, like Moses, the moon is a ball of dirt. At least that's what scientists tell me. And the really smart ones say moon dust, which I think is just a fancy word for dirt. This half is laughing. This half is not laughing. My gosh. I am, I'm funnier than you think. The moon cannot produce its own light. And yet when the night is dark and you walk outside and you look up into the sky, if you were not aware of the sun, you would be utterly convinced that the moon was shining on you. And you would say, wow, that's shining. Let's call it a sun. And you would be wrong. And everyone would make fun of you. But you wouldn't have any other way of knowing. And so Moses goes and meets with the sun, God, and reflects the light. And so the moon gets the title radiant. And so the Old Testament writers like, like David would write in Psalm 34, 4 and 5, I sought the Lord. I went to him. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That's pretty cool. Don't you think? I think that's cool. And yet, something really crazy happens that completely changes our analogy of all of this glory stuff. And it happens about the time Jesus drops down from heaven. And he starts to make these crazy statements like, I'm the light of the world. And then he leaves. And he leaves his Holy Spirit. And we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18... Paul writes, and we who with unveiled faces, not like Moses, unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, not just Moses, all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit, being transformed by the heaviness and the weight of God that cannot allow you 
to stay your same shape, it will flatten you down. And you'll be transformed into the likeness of God. Not the moon who shines the sun's light, but the likeness of the sun. So the analogy changes. I love this one. Does anyone know how many moons can fit in the sun? I do, because I prepared the sermon. (laughs) 65 million moons it would take to fill up the sun. I would like to have been a part of that conversation. Three scientists sitting there. How many moons do you think fill up the sun? I don't know, 400. (laughs) I mean, 1,500. I think 65 million. Really? Yeah. That's bigger than our numbers. Let's go with that one. 65 million moons it would take to fill up the sun. And imagine now if the sun somehow created some supernatural way to squeeze itself down to inside of the moon and fit inside of that dusty cover, what would happen? First, I think the moon would explode. But secondly, every eye that was laid on the moon would not be able to recognize the moon at all. They would say, that's the sun. That is the sun, it's so bright. If in some supernatural way the sun could inject itself into the skin of the moon. The tiniest little object would become the brightest star in the entire galaxy. The entire galaxy. This is where I start to get excited, so bear with me. God has done this for you. God has done this for you. The glory of God, the brightest and heaviest thing in the universe. The creator himself, through Jesus and his spirit, if you are a follower of Christ, has found a way to inject himself into your being so much so that you not only reflect his glory but that you are being transformed into being like him so that when people look at you, they can only see God. That is good. Somebody say, Rod, that is good. That is very good. They can only see God. God has done this for you. And yet most of us live our lives as though there's something we need to do to earn the privilege of revealing God's glory. God has created an environment, an atmosphere, an existence where when you have Christ in your life, the brightness of who God is comes inside of you. And I honestly, I don't know how it fits but I know it makes you shine brighter than you could ever imagine, and we live our lives believing that somehow there's something we need to do to get to a place where we have the privilege of sharing that glory, or so we even can share that glory. 
Listen to me very closely now. You don't glorify God when you don't sin. You don't glorify God when you don't sin. Isaiah 64, 6 would say that even your most righteous deeds are like filthy rags. You don't glorify God with your acts of righteousness. You glorify God when you allow Jesus, who died the most horrible death for you, to forgive all of your sins and your inconsequential righteous deeds to come into your life and shine through you. You don't glorify God when you don't sin. You glorify God when you allow Jesus to come and forgive you and even turn your inconsequential, trivial, petty, righteous deeds into something that shines as bright as he does. Only God can glorify himself. If you have a relationship with Jesus, the king of the universe has found a way to inject himself into your being. You're brighter than you'll ever know. And you glorify God by simply existing as one who has been filled up with the creator of the universe. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God wants to give you all of the brightness that he has and take away all of the guilt that you have. Just because he loves you. Can I share a story with you? I just flew back from Denver. Side note, if you're ever preaching a sermon and you just flew back from somewhere, make sure and mention it in your sermon because it makes everyone who's listening to you feel like you're really important. So I just flew back from Denver to be with you guys today. And uh, I was flying with my son, and we'll give him a code name for privacy reasons. We'll call him Xander. <laughs> and as we got on the plane... We just shuffle down the little aisle. We're looking for our seat, Southwest Airlines. Pick your seat. We get to this spot. We know where we're going to sit. I'm going to sit by him so I can keep him safe from all the terrible people who try to take kids off of airplanes or whatever. And we're sitting there. Xander had never flown before. And as we get on the airplane and we're seated, seated down, this woman comes kind of scurrying down the aisle. And her head is low. And to be honest with you, from the cultural standards and constraints that we put on people, she did not fit. She wasn't beautiful by the standards we use. Everyone on the plane knew it. She knew it. I knew it. And she put her head down, just trying to find a seat to get through the flight. I could see it all over her face. 
People pretended she wasn't there. She pretended she wasn't there. And my heart broke for her because she's a child of God created in his image and she had no idea how bright she shined. And no one else on the plane did except for one person. And she happened to sit by my son, my six-year-old son. And she sits down and he looks up at her and as only Xander can say, this is my first time on a plane. <laughs> Her head picks up a little bit. Really? Yeah, I've never been on a plane before. What does that do? <laughs> well, that is a plastic thing that slides down so you can close and open the window. Cool, I've never been on a plane before. And he keeps talking to her. And I do not shush him. I do not stop him. Because he was teaching me something more profound than I had learned in a very, very, very long time. That the God of the universe had injected himself into my son, who was a Jesus follower, who received Christ with me two weeks after he moved into our house. The God of the universe had injected himself into my son and all my son was doing was sitting in the middle row. Just being himself. And he talked to this woman and he kept talking and he kept talking and he kept talking and I watched her head just pick up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher until she knew that she was royalty until she knew that God, when he spoke creation into existence, had spoken her into existence. And that he had designed every fabric of her DNA to be lovely, to be royalty. And my son, because he was filled with the glorious, bright, heavy love of God, completely flattened every understanding, I believe, that she had about herself in that moment and communicated who she really, really, really was. And I was the proudest daddy on that plane. And that's not anything I would have ever done. And he did it just because he was sitting in the middle seat. I want to leave you with a quote by Marianne Williamson. A lot of people think this is Nelson Mandela. I checked Snopes.com. It's not. It's a lady named Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make the manifest glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And I would add everyone who follows Jesus. And as we let our light shine, 
we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I watched her head lift up higher and higher and higher and higher until her and my son were both radiant children of God and knew it and knew it. So the question is not what do we need to do to glorify God? The question is not how do I glorify God? The question is since we Jesus followers do glorify God because he has chosen to inject himself into our beings, can we live with that awareness every single day? The question is not how The question is, since we do glorify God because he has chosen to insert himself into our being in some way, I don't know how he does it, I don't know how it fits because I haven't exploded yet. Can I live with that awareness every day that the bright, heavy, light glory of God is shining out of me and transforming everywhere I go? Our mission is to glorify God in this place when we worship. Our mission is to glorify God in our families when we are with them and when we are not. Our mission is to glorify God at work with the person in the cubicle across from you. Our mission is to glorify God when we shop. When God whispers, buy their groceries. Or ask them how they're doing or become part of their life right now in Meyer. Our mission is to glorify God everywhere we go. I just thought of a story because my mentor and friend, Nate Bull, showed up today, which made me like a little kid. I'm excited. I learned this idea of glorifying God everywhere I am from him. I didn't share this first service, so consider it a treat. He he used to take me to a bar called the Sugar Bowl. We'd walk in there. And you know what we would do? Just drink and... No, I'm just kidding. We would just play pool. Just play pool. And I watched as we played pool, the janitor of that bar miraculously, after a simple conversation with us, be reunited with his son who he hadn't seen in 12 years and completely turn his life in a moment to an acknowledgement of how much God loved him. The question is not how, it's where. And the answer is everywhere. And can you live with that awareness? Because God is shining out of you with an ever-increasing glory that does not fade 
and only gets brighter. God is shining out of you with an ever-increasing glory that does not fade and only gets brighter. I challenge you to take that light somewhere where you think it's dark and just stand there. I, I dare you. Just go somewhere. Go somewhere where it's spiritually dark and just stand there. Watch what God does. I want to pray for you, so if you could stand to your feet. Remember, your joy box is on the way out. If you want any prayer, if you don't know Christ, then you need to get your hindquarters over to that corner and get to know him because he wants to make you bright. If you're new, you've never been here before, we want to get to know you. We're not one of those churches that doesn't really care. I think all churches care. I'm just, you know, that's, that's something I guess you say. We do care, and we want to get to know you. And if you have any questions, there's a questions poll out there. And just stop by there. There's some people with some iPads or say hi to anyone in here. Father, we confess right now that we have believed it is our ability to glorify you that does the trick. We confess right now that we have believed it was our ability to not sin that would do the trick. We confess right now that it is only your brightness being injected in us because of your son's death and resurrection that we can glorify you. We confess that to you. I ask that you fill us all with your spirit every day continually so that we can have the awareness of how bright we shine. I ask that you remind us of that again and again and again and let us never be taken out of that game. Let us never be taken out of that purpose. Let us never start looking in the mirror trying to fix ourselves so much so that we can't look out the window and see our neighbors who need to experience your brightness. And I plead that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.